This week on I Watch This As An Adult Movie Reviews, I have the retro review for Lethal Weapon 3, and I also reviewed the Netflix spy drama, Heart of Stone. You know what you signed up for? No friends. No relationships. What we do is too important. When governments fail, the only thing left is the charter. The most highly trained agents. It's a bigger operation. No political leanings. What's with all the speculation? No national allegiances. Time to make a statement. Working together to keep peace in a turbulent world. Time to free my mind of limitation. How many in the welcome party? Six of them. Vanessa Majors, that's my former reparations. They said you can't slide your treasure to the nation. Hardly seems fair. She developing a sense of humor. Hey! All right. Is what gives the charter its power. It can crash a market or drop a plane out of the sky. If you own the heart, you own the world. This is what I mean. Jeff, I need your help. Shutting exit route. We've been breached. What's happening? Our systems are offline. We've lost the heart. And now you answer to me. You're compromised. Don't know if you can be trusted. I'm standing you down, Rachel. I don't care. We have no idea what they're capable of. I need to shut it all down. Showtime! This is what I mean. They wanna see the You think you know everything, but the world is about to see the truth. Heart or no heart. Chance of success just plummeted. Only because you've got no imagination. Hello and welcome to our Watches as an Adult Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Mikkel Ford. We're going to get into this review for Heart of Stone. Heart of Stone is a Netflix spy drama starring Gail Godot. Let's get into this review, shall we? Uh, this is probably going to be the quickest review. Um, I don't know who else has done a review on this. I'm... I don't know many people that have done a review on this. I haven't come across any. I may be the first. And it may be because this movie is very paint by numbers. It is probably the most generic spy movie you may ever see. 
It is very boring. It's generic and boring. Uh, the best way I can describe this movie is this is like a movie that Chat GPT would write. And it probably did. Because the characters here are so generic and so one dimensional. <laughs> Other than uh, Gal Gadot's character, who I will get to later. Uh, we have the Fifty Shades of Grey dude in here. He plays boring white action man. You know, like just the boring, chiseled, white uh, action spy guy. He's here. Uh, we have generic British Asian girl who knows martial arts. We have her. Uh, that's starting to be a trope in a lot of movies. Let's have an Asian girl in here. And she's British. Because if she's British, that means she's badass, you know? So we got that. We have dude in we have dude in the van who's supposed to be the comedy relief, but he's not funny at all. We have that. Um Gal Gadot is supposed to be a double agent in this movie. Like she works for MI6 and a secret organization called The Hearts, which uh that would be a cool concept. If she didn't blow her cover like 45 minutes into the movie. Like, which I, that's another problem I have with this movie. This movie is too goddamn long. It's too long. Um, there is nothing, there's nothing going on in this movie that warranted the two hour runtime. This movie's two hours. Two goddamn hours. It was like, there's no reason for this movie to be two hours. Uh, they try to give us a twist that the Fifty Shades of Grey guy is actually a bad guy. But it's a lame-ass twist. I didn't care. Because they didn't give us enough time with his character to make us care that he he turned on everybody. You know, I'm just spoiling the fuck. I'm just going to spoil the fuck out of this movie because... I'm waste. I'm like. I'm like. I wasted two hours of my life watching this movie, and I don't want you to waste two hours of your life watching this movie. So I'm spoiling. I'm spoiling the shit out. There ain't much to spoil, really. There really isn't much to spoil. Like other than that lame ass twist of a character that we don't have enough time to care about. Uh, actually being a bad guy, we don't. We don't give a shit. You. You. You won't care. I'm just telling you right now, you won't care. Uh, just watching this movie, watching this movie just made me understand why uh, Gal Gadot lied about Wonder Woman 3. Uh, because this is her future without this character. Like, doing generic-ass Netflix action movies. Like, like she, she, she was trying to hold on to Wonder Woman for dear life. Because, like, she's getting stuck in the generic... Uh, Netflix movie trap because she did this. Well, she did. She did Red Notice. I, I believe I reviewed Red Notice. I, I reviewed Red Notice before, I believe. But um, she did Red Notice. I'm pretty sure there's probably something else coming up the pike. You know. Uh, but also like Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot is she's terrible in this movie. <laughs> she really is. Like watching her act in this movie is like watching cardboard like she shows no emotion and her voice 
is so monotone that like even when she's trying to be funny she's trying to have humor in this movie and it just it just falls flat because her voice is so monotone and it's like she's just she's just like saying the lines so flat you know like it's just she's 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 not she's not good in this movie she really isn't like i don't know like maybe one day maybe one day she will have a movie that will pull so much emotion out of her like it will impress the hell out of me you know maybe there's gonna be one movie where i'm just like damn that gal godot that gal godot she was really good she was the highlight of that movie did you see did you see gal godot's acting in that movie it was powerful uh but this ain't it this ain't it like i haven't seen that from her yet like I said, I haven't seen that from her yet, but it hasn't happened. This ain't it. Um, this movie didn't make me mad. It was just a boring middle of the road Netflix movie. It just does enough of those, you know, it was just boring. It deserved to be on Netflix. Uh, you could watch like maybe like 30 minutes of it and decide if you like it or not. You didn't spend any money. You know, you didn't spend any money, so you could just turn it off. You know, so I, I, I guarantee you, I saved you two hours of your life. I do not recommend this movie. I give it a one out of five. I give it a one out of five. Um, I will be back with my review for Lethal Weapon 3 after these messages. Nobody's dead. Hey, the night's young. This is Sergeant Murtaugh. Fred or scared? It's a real thing. Where's the bomb squad? They're on the way. Good. Bomb squad. Everything's under control. Let's go in there. Let's go. Roger, I think we ought to check this out. Hey, 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 Reese. What? Bomb squad's on the way. And there's no bomb in there. You know how come I know there's a bomb in the building? How? Because I got eight days to retirement, and I will not make a stupid mistake. There is no bomb in that building. I will bet vital parts of my anatomy to the fact. Now, look. Just, just, just look. Trust me, okay? That's usually my first mistake. Silver Pictures production of a Richard Donner film. Lethal Weapon 3. We're back! Yeah, yeah, back. yeah. Hey, listen, listen. Yeah. You think I could get a gun this time? No. Lethal Weapon 3 from 1992. Let's get into the technical, shall we? This movie was once again directed by Richard Donner. And uh, it was written by Jeffrey Bohm and Robert Mark Kamen. I believe they wrote all the Lethal Weapon movies, if I'm not mistaken. 
Uh, I might have to go through my other uh, Lethal Weapon reviews. I reviewed Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon 2 already. Uh, if you haven't checked those reviews out, go check them out. They're in the archives. Um, they're really good. I suggest you check them out. Um, but yeah, I believe all of these movies were written by uh, Jeffrey Boehm and Robert Mark Kamen. I almost called them Mark Kamen. Just, but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think they, all three of these movies were written by those guys. Uh, the budget for this movie is $35 million, the box office, they brought in $321.7 million at the box office in 1992, that is a lot of money, <laughs> in 1992, uh, cause maybe like, uh, maybe like a hundred, a hundred million, I think was pretty good in 1992 standards, but to bring in $321.7 million in 1992. That is a huge success. Um, it's no secret by now, if you listen to the podcast long enough, that I love the Lethal Weapon series. I love it. It's probably one of my favorite franchises of all time. Like, it might be a perfect franchise. Like, I don't know yet. Like, I haven't rewatched all of them yet. Uh, I still haven't rewatched four. Four is coming uh, pretty soon. Uh, but as of right now, like it's 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 perfect. You know, it's a perfect it's a perfect uh, franchise. Uh, but again, let's let's see how I feel about Lethal Weapon three as an adult. Off top. Um, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover just have like, chemistry. Like whenever they step, whenever they step back into these roles, uh, because it's been three years since uh, *Lethal Weapon* two. They like they they probably haven't even talked to each other in those three years. But whenever they reunite to play Riggs and Murtaugh, like that switch just flips. Like these guys are like the quintessential buddy cops. Like they own this genre. Uh, I love how at the beginning, uh, Murtaugh is talking about, like, he's got eight days to retirement. Like, how long has this man been talking about retirement? <laughs> you know, since the first movie? I want to say since the first movie. Like, he's never gotten around to it. You're like, uh, like, when are you going to retire, Murtaugh? He's probably still on the force now. Because, like, Danny Glover's, like, 83 years old, I think. He's in his 80s now. <laughs> and, like, he's probably still on the police force. Like, when will that man retire? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, they are talking about making a Lethal Weapon 5. I don't want to see that shit. Because they're, they're, they're old as shit. Everybody in this movie is old as molasses. I don't want to see it. Um, but I like how this movie has like callbacks to the, has a callback to the second movie. Like they mentioned the toilet bomb from uh, part 2. Like I like that I like that they had that callback. I'm like, oh shit! They mentioned the toilet bomb. It's one of my favorite scenes in the whole uh, movie and all, all of Lethal Weapon Two. Uh, but Riggs, Riggs once again gets Murtaugh into predicament that gets him in trouble. Like Riggs, Riggs still hasn't grown up, and like like he's got to be in his forties at this point. Like Riggs has got to be in his forties, and he's still a goddamn loose cannon. Like. Like, he needs to grow up. Like, kind of like the real Mel Gibson. Like, the real Mel Gibson is a goddamn loose cannon. Uh, 
I love how this franchise like just continues to mix humor and action together. Like that is like the main like attraction of this movie. Like in this one, like they have a chase scene in this movie that is like both action packed and hilarious. And like it just shows why Riggs and Murtaugh work well together. Like Riggs handles the action and like Murtaugh handles the humor. But this is what I like about Danny Glover's take on this character. The, the, the take on Murtaugh is like he's the straight man, but he's still humorous. Like his reactions to everything that's happening around him are funny. He doesn't have to be silly to be funny. Like he's funny but he still brings dignity to that role. And that's what I like about that character. Because anybody else, if like they would have put like a comedian in this role or something like that, especially like a black comedian or something like that, they would have been like, they would have had him being goofy and like, oh, hell no, nah, man. What the hell are we doing here? You know, like they would have, like he would have been loud and obnoxious and all this stuff. But Danny Glover plays him as a straight man. He just reacts to everything that's happening around him and he's just like what the fuck have i got myself into <laughs> that's that's what i like about that character uh my favorite part of all the lethal weapon movies is back which is murtaugh's family uh the family is the heart of the whole series like every time the family shows up this is like because like even like Riggs is like family to them because he just shows up and like it's kind of it's kind of got like this sitcom aspect to it you know because like you got the family the Murtaugh family and then Riggs shows up and like you could have had like the, the the laugh track or something like that or like the applause track whenever Riggs shows up you're like hi everybody and he's like hey they could have had like this just like clapping yeah and cheering and stuff like that you know I'm like there's a bit of a there is a bit of a sitcom element to the Lethal Weapon movies, and I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Uh, another thing I found amazing that they were able to keep the same actors as the family, like in every single Lethal Weapon movie, because any other movie franchise that family would have been different actors, like every time it would have been like some some National Lampoon vacation shit, <laughs> like how um Chevy Chase's kids are never the same actors they're always different actors <laughs> you know <laughs> you know, like but they don't do that here in Lethal Weapon like we actually watch Murtaugh's kids grow up naturally like I said which is rare because any other any other franchise those kids would have been different kids every every movie <laughs> you know because it's hard to keep track of kids it's hard to keep track of kids maybe you want to age them up for uh for like a plot point in a movie or uh, uh, in the movie or something like that you want them to take on a more like more media role you know but they don't do that here we just have the kids growing up naturally and they do and they do kind of get something to do in this one um joe pesci is back as leo gets this time leo's a, a real estate agent and he is the worst real estate agent ever <laughs> But it's funny, like that's that's pretty much what Leo does. Leo is just here, like he's he's trying to get people to buy a house. Like that's his like that's like his big uh, catchphrase throughout the whole movie. He's like you're trying to buy a house, you looking for a house, and like that's, that's pretty much what uh, Leo's doing here. Uh, like I said, they give the kids they give the kids something else to do. 
Um, we also have this underlining storyline with Murtaugh's son, Nick. Like, like, he might be getting involved with a gang. Like, one of the guys in the gang is his friend. And it looks like he's trying to, you know, seduce Nick to join the gang. Uh, it's the first time we see something happening with one of the kids that's not Rianne. So it's it's pretty interesting. It's the, it's the most interesting storyline going on in the movie. Then we meet the main villains, uh, Jack and Tyrone. Uh, Jack runs a construction front, and he's he's really kind of a super villain. Like he buries a guy in cement, and he even has like a he even has like a clever catchphrase when he buries the guy. Like he buries the guy and he's just like, oh, like, now we got a relationship we can build on. I was like, that is corny. <laughs> I was like, that is so corny. Like, he might be the most cartoonish lethal weapon villain ever. <laughs> he might be. Tyrone is just kind of like the, the middleman. He's kind of like the second in command dude. And like he really doesn't do much, but and like we don't really see Tyrone that much. We don't see Tyrone that much. Tyrone might have like maybe like three scenes. And then he gets caught. Like, that's that's pretty much that. Speaking of Rianne, uh, she's back. And she's an actress now. Like, she's an actress. She's she rocking the Halle Berry cut. Like, she looking good. She looking damn good. Like, I've always found Rianne attractive. I've always found that character attractive. Uh, but yeah, man, she, she, she looking good. Uh, there's still, like, this underlined sexual tension between her and Riggs. Which I'm glad they end in this movie because he met her as a teenager and I always found that gross. I always found that gross that he had like sexual tension with a teenage girl. It was kind of you, you you pushing the boundaries there. You want some you want some R. Kelly level shit with that. Like, chill, Richard Donner. Chill. I know you didn't write the script, but you know, but chill. Um, but yeah, like they 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 calm that down because they give Riggs a girlfriend. Uh, Agent Lorna Cole, played by Renee Russo. Uh, and her and Riggs, like, they have this uh, love-hate relationship at first. Which, which, which this is a cliche trope that movies and TV shows have going still to this day. And I hate it. I hate that trope. I wish it would die because... This is not how real romantic relationships form. You know, you don't form a romantic relationship when you hate the person at first and then you come around and be like, oh, I kind of like them. You know, like this is not real. This is not moonlighting in 1985. I think the trope is played out. We need to stop it. It needs to die. Please kill this trope. If you're listening, uh, studios, kill the goddamn love-hate relationship trope like it sucks i've always fucking hated it i don't care for it um but we also find out that uh jack travis is a former cop uh thing about jack is like we really don't know his motivation why he's doing what he's doing like he's just doing shit you know (laughs) that's just jack jack is just here just causing chaos you know, he's kind of like the Joker. Um, like, he might be one of the weaker 
lethal weapon villains because like we like i'm like why like why is he here what is he doing we really don't have like a, a clear vision for this villain so that kind of makes him a weak villain uh plot twist uh murtaugh has to shoot nick's gang member friend in self-defense uh like i said that turns out to be like the most interesting story like it's more interesting than whatever the main villain has going on. Uh, because Murtaugh has to deal with the guilt of taking a kid that he knows life. Like, even though, like, the kid tried to kill him, you know, like, he didn't want to kill the kid. Like, he didn't, like, he didn't want to do it. And it looked like, it looked like it was kind of like a, it wasn't mistaken identity because, like, the kid did really shoot at him. He shot at Riggs. And, Re- and Murtaugh was just coming out to help his partner and he shot the kid and then he realized who it was so like he's having so he's really having guilt about that he's having guilt about taking this kid's life uh i guess that's the message of the movie because uh like gang violence was on the rise at this time and i guess that was supposed to be like an allegory about that you got these kids out here with guns and it's and they're they're in LA, so it's it's gang members. You got these kids out here with guns, they shooting everybody. But like I guess it's supposed to be an allegory on that. But the movie steps away from that to build Riggs and Lorna's relationship. And it, it like it kinda undercuts the message a little bit, but I understand that we gotta build this relationship because they're gonna get into a romantic relationship. Uh they do this scene where they compare scars <laughs> like how many times they got shot how many times they got cut and all this stuff and that like that's how they end up together that's how they end up bonding and that's how they end up getting a relationship uh we step away from Murtaugh for a bit because Murtaugh is like really still like he's still going through it like he starts he starts drinking like I said very interesting story this is a very interesting story Cause like we're dealing with PTSD and the guilt of a cop who has to kill someone that he knows, you know, like it's some great acting from Danny Glover. Also, like he really got to flex his acting muscles in this movie. Like he even has like this whole monologue about black on black violence. Like, I mean, he does it while he's holding a gun to another black man, but like, it's a really good monologue. And, like, he ends it because he's saying, like, if you don't tell me where you... Because, like, he comes up to the guy. He's like, where'd you get this gun? And he's just like, you don't tell me where you get this gun. And like, it's pretty much, you stupid motherfuckers. Don't you know this is what they want us to do? To kill each other and all this stuff. And then he's like, you don't tell me where you get this gun. I'm going to blow your fucking head off. <laughs> and it's like, it's kind of, that kind of undercuts the message, too. You're talking about he wants us to kill each other. But then you're talking about blowing his head off. <laughs> but still, it's good it's good like they also make uh renee russo like a badass in this movie like there's a scene in here where she beats up like five guys by herself and this is 1992 this is 1992 before girl power and like the equal rights and all this stuff and like i didn't hear anybody complain about this i don't remember hearing anybody complain about this Nobody's come back and be like, oh man, I hate that that they forced that they forced that girl power shit in this movie. Renee Russo beat up five guys by herself. 
You know, like, you know, there was nobody talking about that. It wasn't like, oh, they, they know there's a scene in there where Rene Russo beats up five guys by herself. You know, they shouldn't do that. You know, it's go woke, go broke. They just forced that in there. It was natural. You know, it was natural. You know, like she can handle herself. She's a police officer. She should be able to handle herself. Um, Jack kidnaps Captain Murphy <laughs> out of nowhere. So he can, like, get access to some guns. Uh, I guess that's his motivation. He just sells guns. Um, I don't even know if I've ever even talked about Captain Murphy in any of the Lethal Weapon reviews. I don't remember if I've done that. But now all of a sudden, he's a plot point. All of a sudden, like, (laughs) it was just like, hey, let's kidnap Captain Murphy and make him a plot point raising Murtaugh and uh Lorna gotta go save him you know so <laughs> like they also like get uh they, they also get this like really young cop to tag along with them they 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 really make emphasis to focus on this really young cop you know they make emphasis on him at the beginning of the movie because that's where you meet him you meet him in like the shooting range and like, like uh, Riggs is making fun of him and all this stuff. He's like, you still got the Similac on your breath, kid, and all this stuff. And and he's just like, re- he's just like real precocious, and he's real like fresh faced and just like very just like optimistic. And like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, he's dead. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> as soon as I saw him, I was like, that kid's dead. Uh, cause like they just put too much emphasis on him, how just like fresh face and naive and like optimistic and just, uh, like just very, just, he's just very precocious, you know, as soon as I saw that, I was like, he, he uh, yeah, uh, he's a dead guy, you <laughs> know, like I said, and they even mentioned his birthday, like they mentioned his birthday, he's like, today's my birthday. I like they made too much emphasis on that. As like I said, as soon as I saw that, I was just like, "Well, he's not making it to Lethal Weapon 4. <laughs> and I was right. I was so goddamn right. Um, the last action scene in this movie is really good. Like I always liked this scene as a kid. I liked the scene where like they go and like shoot the bad guys in the burning like construction site. You know, and they have like the fight in the burning construction site. I've always liked that scene as a kid. It's like one of my favorite action scenes. Uh, remember when I said that Jack Travis is a supervillain? Remember that? Remember I said that? Well, he takes that to the extreme in this scene. <laughs> like, this could have easily been the ending to a Saturday morning cartoon. Because, like, Jack Travis is over the top. Like I said, it's so, like, he's so friggin' animated. I was like, dude, I was like, you add a 10, take it down to like a five, alright, you know, like, calm down, but like, he's just, he's very animated, like I said, Saturday morning cartoon ass villain is what he is, but, yeah, overall, overall, I still have fun with this movie, like, some of the story is a little choppy, it's a little choppy, and like I said, the villain bit over the top he's very very saturday morning cartoon villain uh but the character work from mel gibson and danny glover makes all of that work for me like it makes it makes up for everything that i have a problem with in this movie 
And Renee Russo, she's a great addition to the cast too. Like she's she's not um she doesn't slow the story down. She doesn't bog the story down. Like she she fits in with the guys very well. Uh if you haven't seen this movie, I recommend this movie. Uh score four out of five. Join me next week when I review 1993's Demolition Man. Until next time, peace.